Well, the new Doctor Who has begun and Jodie Whittaker now takes the screens as the 13th Doctor. There's lots of polarised views. Some love it, some loathe it, and some like me thought it was middle of the track. But with me tonight is our resident Doctor Who fan, Travis. Joining me by phone, he's a man that bars no holds and does not deal in mercy. Well, Travis, welcome to the show. Hi, John. How are you going there today? Not bad. Thank you, mate. Well, look, let's jump right into it. Let's get started. First, perhaps you could start with uh, what you thought of the first two episodes. Uh, listen, I thought the second was better than the first. Uh, you get back to, I guess, a, a very sort of familiar theme. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still having um, a trouble with Jodie Whittaker. I okay. absolutely no problem with a female doctor, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think they cast the net very far because obviously uh, Chris Chibnall had a, uh, a working relationship with her in Broadchurch. Yes. But I don't think she has the, the, the gravitas. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that people would get behind her as quickly as they do. Okay. Uh, so um, that, that, that's probably the, the big thing, whereas uh, there are a lot of people raving about Jodie Whittaker. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it to be very much um, uh, Peter Davison when yes. he uh, took over from Tom Baker, which is, you know, he's, you know, very amiable, but I'm not sure why people would, you know, listen to him. Yeah. Okay. I get that. Definitely from him. You know, it was a bit, a bit of a mystery to me. I've only seen a few of those episodes because I'm a bit more of the, the new batch um, sort of fan, Mm -hmm. Um, not going much in the past. I had to kind of draw a line in the sand as to where do I start from, um, given that I dedicate myself to so so many other fandoms as well. Mm -hmm. So, and the case that I did grow up with, um, you know, classic Who. Of course. I still remember seeing the robot episode three. Um, that was the first episode I saw. I saw it in a caravan on a black and white TV <laughs> uh, up in Barrie when we were travelling with my grandparents. I still remember that. Amazing. So I still remember the, the very first time I saw Doctor Who. I was six years old mm-hmm. and watching that. And, you know, I, I very much watched the you know, 6.30 in the evening, Monday to Thursday on the ABC for, for 10 or 15 years that they, they showed it continuously like that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I also understand that you can't make a show like that now and have it right. Yes. Um, you look at the effects, so you look at some of the acting, although some of the acting is superb, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of it isn't. And especially towards the end, you could see it was something that was very tired and not a lot of love was given into it and, and it forwarded into very much of a rut. So, you know, Obviously glad to have it back. It's been running 12 years now. And you've got to treat them as different sorts of animals, but you do have to pay sort of a homage to what came beforehand. Yes. In fact, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you. Obviously, leading into this new series, there was quite a lot of talk about them kind of going off script sort of thing from what we've come to expect um, without there being any repeats of um, established uh, enemies and things like that. Do you think they've gone too far? Did they run the risk of alienating their audience? Well, uh, if you wanted to look back in the past, and the only reason I mention this is because um, recently the Blu-ray of season 12 came out, which was Tom Baker's first season, and you actually don't see the TARDIS. Um, uh, we don't see the TARDIS interior for the entirety of the series, and he's also separated from the TARDIS uh, pretty much from Robot uh, through to Reven- the end of Revenge of the Cybermen. Okay. So... It is a case of, uh, it's a very comforting thing to see the Doctor around the console and with the TARDIS, mm-hmm. and that they really did throw the rule book out with that, and that, again, was a new producer coming in, mm-hmm. so a new direction for the series. Um, I, I do feel that uh, there will be some comfort in some of the older monsters, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe some that really should have been one and done or done a couple of times, uh, you know, Weeping Angels, I'm, I'm 
not going to be sorry if we don't see those again. Yes. I think I think they're a great first episode by the time it was the law of diminishing returns. Yeah. I mean the um uh the Tom Baker first story robot that I've referenced before, uh, the Kettlewell robot. You know, very iconic. It's a beautiful prop. I saw it a few years ago at the Doctor Who Experience. Wow. It looks spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so popular that even about three or four years later when they made toys based around the fourth Doctor, that was one of the toys they made. Right. And he only appeared in four episodes. Okay. And, yep. you know, it's a case of you don't want to bring that back. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are, there are aliens, there are Cybermen, there are Daleks, and maybe it's just a chance they're giving it a chance to redesign those, those classic characters. Maybe they want the, the show to stand on its own. Mm-hmm. But there is something very familiar and comforting. But if they do want it to be a true jumping-on point, um, I can see why perhaps they're not going in that direction. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And we did, we did brush on briefly performances. You mentioned about Jodie and um, her portrayal of the Doctor. Uh, I found that it was a bit of a mix for me. She was kind of hectic, fast-talking, a bit like Tennant when he when his Doctor is in that mood, and then the hyper-energetic, um, almost childish or childlike um, Smith version of the Doctor. Um, I didn't really get kind of her own flavour from that in this instance. I mean, it could just be a matter of time where she um, gets into the, the role more comfortably. I'm certainly hoping for that. Because uh, I'd like to see you know this succeed because I am a Doctor Who fan after all, and it benefits no one if it fails. No, and I, I really do think it will succeed. I think um, not so much the the novelty of a of a female Doctor because it's very much overdue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Doctor Who has been you know portrayed you know exclusively by by white men up until this stage. I would have liked to have seen you know a Doctor of Colour or a female Doctor well before this because. When they started rewriting the rules in 2005, I don't think that would have been too far, um, you know, outside the comfort zone. But mm. I think it's fantastic because it has revitalised it, being in the UK just before it was released, um, having the opportunity to purchase the uh, the Radio Times with her on the cover, mm-hmm. and knowing that um, just yesterday they announced that it actually t- you know topped the charts. Excellent. Um, in um in the UK with the uh, same day and seven day plus. Uh, ratings that actually beat uh, Strictly Come Dancing, which is their you know, celebrity dancing show. Yeah. Oh, that sounds uh, fantastic. So, you know, and that's the first time uh, the Doctor has had that sort of thing happen since Day of the Doctor, and that's mm. five years ago. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I think the future is, is bright, but again, I think she needs to have, there's got to be, again, I think it's uh, the same as Davison. Um, aside from the, um, the the cricket outfit, there was never anything <laughs> to define him. Yes. Uh, as a doctor, he's very generic, mm. um, and at the moment, I find her to be very generic. Okay. And and when she's whimsical, it's just that sort of whimsicalness that we've seen before, which again you'd expect from the same character. But there there is nothing defining about her at this stage. Okay, and now Bradley Walsh. Now he has surprised me. Now I I only know him as the guy from the chase, um, mm-hmm. who sometimes runs <clears throat> into trouble whilst. Um, saying the name of certain uh, people in questions. Um, for those that know what I'm talking about, obviously they can find that video on YouTube. Um, but I'm shocked by the performance that he's put in, probably one of the better ones. Yeah, he actually was in a uh, show that Chris Chibnall uh, uh, produced called Law and Order UK, which ran for a few seasons about a decade ago. You're kidding me. I'm not sure if it's still in production, but he played the um, uh, the uh, the older police officer to um, uh, Jamie Bambler from... Uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica. That oh, was wow. his first role after uh, Battlestar Galactica. He played the, the younger police officer. Um, 
and uh, Martha from Doctor Who, third season Doctor Who, uh, appeared in it. Uh, Peter Davison right. uh, appeared in later seasons as well. Um, they were honestly just rehashes of uh, 20-year-old Law and Order stories fit around the UK, mm-hmm. so they weren't independent stories. But um, uh, And they even had Paul Darrow, who was Avon on Blake 7, play a judge for a couple of seasons. So it was wonderful to watch that and see all these genre people in it. But he um, played a recovering alcoholic in that. Okay. And, and he played that very well. So I, I think when you think of someone as something, and it's quite recent, he does have actually quite a quite an excellent career behind him. So I was never worried about Bradley Walsh. And I like the fact that they've chosen an, an older gentleman to be a companion. I think that's a, that's a great idea. Mm, yeah, and I've got to say, I mean, you are a font of knowledge. I'm not sure why you haven't been on the uh, podcast before, but we'll be certainly wanting to have you back, that's for sure. Um, my... my- <laughs> Biggest problems are with the two younger companions because they're yep. supposed to be 19 and they don't look 19. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I did look up their ages uh, after the first episode and um, uh, Yaz is 30 years old. Oh, um, my goodness. And, and playing a 19-year-old. And um, so that, that does take it out of there. And I, I think you could have, you know, effectively had them you know, in their mid-20s mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know, and, and set them there. It yeah. still wouldn't be um, outside the realm of possibility for um, uh, Graham to still be Ryan's grandfather at that age. Sure, sure. Now, for me, a big thing um, is the sonic screwdriver. Now, because I I collect pretty much only vehicles and weapons and devices, right? So from Star Trek, obviously, it's a phaser and a tricorder and some ships. Um, when it comes to Doctor Who, it's a sonic screwdriver and the TARDIS. Um mm-hmm. I like that she made it by hand, but what, what were your thoughts on the design? Um, I sort of begrudgingly bought it. Uh, <laughs> it's just like I, it's, I'm in Cardiff now. It's here. I know that there's not that many of them around. <laughs> um, so, and I was getting one for a friend as well. So I thought it, it's probably time to um, you know, bite the bullet and buy one because I've got a, a bucket full of sonic screwdriver next to my monitor. Yeah, um, right. And I thought, you honestly don't n- not want to have that. So, so, so most people I, would I, have I most people would have pens, and you have a bucket of uh, sonic screwdrivers. Yeah, sonic <laughs> screwdrivers. Um, and uh, it, it is a case of uh, it, I, it's probably my least favorite design. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I have to, uh, in fact, and I've loved all of the designs. Uh, you know, right from the classic series, I, I love Eccleston and Tennant's yep. Sonic Screwdriver. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Matt Smith's Sonic Screwdriver. Uh, and I love the second uh, uh, Sonic Screwdriver that Capaldi had. I think that's uh, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, that's my favourite. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, obviously that's that's caught a bit of flack online as well. I think um, the only thing I, I, I thought, aside from the actual design, is that given that the Doctor uh, created it um, because of need at the time, I would have thought that once she got back to her new Hugh Butte um, uh, TARDIS, that she might actually use more, um, I don't know, Time Lordy components to put together and make her one that might be even more robust. Well, um, the, the whole point is they make a note of I've made it out of Sheffield steel, mm. so I, I assume it is it is quite robust. Um, I, I guess the uh, the thing about that is that uh, the TARDIS gave the Doctor his last two sonic screwdrivers, and this time. Uh, the, the um, uh, TARDIS gave them a, a custard cream dispenser. So <laughs> it's a bit of a trade-off, but I, I can understand that. And it's good to see the Doctor make things again. It is, um, yes. 
And, uh, you know, in, in the spur of the moment, you know, I quite like that. The uh, classic series from the visitation onwards, the Doctor didn't have a sonic screwdriver. They thought it was a plot device to actually, uh, the producer at the time thought it was a plot device that wasn't necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, you know, I, I think it is a, a good way to, you know, expedite a situation to, to have the Doctor have a tool that, you know, he constantly uses. Absolutely. And so we um, move on now. Now, obviously, I mentioned the TARDIS. What are your thoughts on the new design? Uh, listen, the outside is fantastic. It, it is very much a homage to the third Doctor's TARDIS. Mm. Um, so it, it, I think the the outside of the TARDIS is absolutely spectacular. Yeah. Um, it's something that is very hard to get wrong. But the fact that, you know, <laughs> they, they have changed it slightly, um, the fact that it is recognised in the second uh, episode, they all talk about having seen them. Yes. Uh, there's a, uh, a functioning police box, which looks very similar to the uh, the TARDIS outside of Ells Court mm-hmm. in the UK. Yep. Um, but there are also some other ones around, and as they said, some of them have been painted different colours or so forth. Uh, but I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. It's a, it's a beautiful-looking TARDIS. Um, inside, I'm not uh, amazingly happy with it. It seems very dark. Mm. Um, and I don't like the big crystal uh, that replaces the time rotor. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, I, I, I noticed that. I mean, I liked the, you know, when you first walk in, they have three walls, which are like the, the TARDIS box. Um, I like that because you see a bit more of that from the inside. Um, I didn't mind the kind of honeycomb design on the the, the very inside. Um, obviously, it is, like you said, a bit dark, which makes seeing people a bit difficult that for a practical purpose. Um, but then those crystals in the middle, it kind of looks like a dead spider that's upside down. You know how their kind of feet all curl up? That's what it reminded me of. Um, yeah, didn't like that so much, but yeah, I mean, that's really my only gripe with that. Yeah, and, and it looks a little bit smaller and there's nothing wrong with that, big, but they've got the studio space now to make it look bigger. Mm. Uh, the last one was two levels. Um, the last, uh, the last TARDIS is actually my favourite TARDIS interior. I've got to say, um, I agree with that. Yep. And, uh, it really is a case of the, the new one, e- even the little, um, crystal police box that spins around. I thought that was a little bit trite. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the big, um, egg timer yes. and setting everything going there. Um, but having said that, we've only seen it once. We've only seen it in one story. True. Uh, you know, chances are it's something that we're going to have to live with for at least three years or three seasons. Yes. Uh, but you know, it'd be interesting to see which direction it goes, but I'm not a huge fan of the interior of the TARDIS. Right. Well, you know, obviously you are well-versed in the Hooniverse, if I can call it that. Um, did you have any other impressions from the first two two episodes? Yeah, I feel that the, it's probably a little bit too crowded. Yep, so, okay. So uh, you've only got 10 episodes this season, so we're two down, there's eight to go. So it's a shorter season, even though the episodes are a little bit longer and they felt better for that, to have that extra six or seven minutes. Uh, I, I felt they've been very... You know, the lengths of the episodes have been, you know, excellent. And, but to have four companions is going to be very, very hard, as it is um, uh, Yaz, the female uh, uh, companion, is uh, really not, there, there's no backstory to her at the moment. Yes. So it'd be very interesting to see what they do there. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the Graham and Ryan dynamic. Yes. But um, th- there are too many people in the TARDIS. And when you're establishing a new character, and again, a character who I've not felt has come across strongly, mm-hmm. that's going to be a little bit um, of a challenge. Uh, things about the first episode that I really uh, I liked was the fact that she was willing to say goodbye at the end. They've had their adventure. She was off to find her TARDIS. 
there was no begging to come along or uh, they, they really got dragged along purely by accident. Yeah. Um, generally, uh, companions of the doctor, especially Nuhu, mm-hmm. have not, you know, really fared too well. The roads have lost in parallel dimension. Martha's family was tortured. Um, Donna um, uh, had her memories of the time in the TARDIS wiped. Uh, and uh, uh, Amy got thrown back into um, the 1930s with Rory. Yes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, even, even Riversong dies the first time you see it. And then you've got Clara, and uh, then you've got Bill, who um, is... <laughs> uh, yeah, poor Bill. In over a decade. Yeah, I really wanted Bill. to get to know her better. Yeah, I, I, I think um, uh, it was probably a little bit disingenuous when they said they wanted Peter Capaldi to stay. Okay. And uh, everything in that last season had to go. The, the, the screwdriver, the companions... Um, you know, right down to the master. I think it was a case of that they just really wanted a clean slate. So when they say they, they wanted Capaldi to stay, I think they, they said that out of politeness. Mm. Um, but I think he knew the writing was on the wall there. But having seen Capaldi in Melbourne at Supernova earlier in the year, just how popular he actually is, just how many people are in that room, yeah. in that hall for that um, talk. And uh, it was just, you know, incredible. Yeah, well, personally, he's my favourite. I, I really liked what he brought to um, the character. I liked that it was um, someone who's slightly older um, and had that sort of wizened old man sort of look and uh, the grumpy granddad as well with Clara because she's full of energy and things like that. Um, you know, it was a great it was a great trade-off between the two. Yeah, and you saw that to the forefront in his second season. The first season, I think they went too far with the unlikability for him. Mm. I think people tuned out because of that. You never understood why Clara and the Doctor were travelling in that first season. Yes. And also, I never liked the fact that Clara couldn't accept him straight off the bat as she had literally met every other Doctor. Yeah. So I just think it's that, um, that thing with Moffat that you know he doesn't really do continuity well with his characters. Um, some of the speeches that he gave in regards to um, Be Kind and... Uh, and even in um, when they're at the ice fair, and that speech he gives to the aristocrat, yes, about a pum- about a person's worth. I can't mm-hmm. imagine that carrying the same sort of gravitas, um, you know, with Jodie Whittaker's Doctor. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I, you know, uh, Heaven Sent, uh, which is pretty much just Capaldi, a whole a whole episode of Capaldi. I can't imagine another Doctor having the acting ability to be able to to play that role in that episode. Yeah, he was brilliant. And look, Travis, look, I really appreciate you talking to us tonight. Obviously I can't keep us going because otherwise we would literally be here all night. Um, So we'll call it to a close this time, but I'm happy to get you back on. No problems. Listen, I appreciate uh, uh, your time today, John, and uh, I look forward to talking to you in the future. No worries. Take it easy. And you're listening to Good News Geek.